Welcome back to the Sporting Max Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Beckon Maintenance, high pressure washing, facility maintenance, and commercial sanitization. Check them out at beckon.com.au. Here's your host, Max Becker. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Sporting Max, where today we're with the Melbourne United assistant coach and the Australian men's under 17s head coach, Justin Shuler. Welcome to the podcast, Justin. How are you going at the moment? Thanks for having me, mate. Yeah, pretty good. Uh, definitely no complaints on my end. So, can you, Justin, can you tell me about what your childhood was like for yourself? Yeah, so I'm an only child, grew up in Adelaide, um, played every sport possible, um, did as much as I could uh, to keep myself busy. And then uh, I guess my mum was a bit of a basketballer and that's what drew me to that side of the sport. I actually preferred AFL more than anything uh, when I was a kid. And then through school age, just had no idea what I wanted to do. And um, yeah, I guess uh, my thoughts were always around teeth. Just by chance, uh, probably a timely injury put me in, on the coaching path and here we are today. Oh, when did you sort of start to have that liking in coaching or an interest in coaching? Yeah, I guess um, probably around 17, 18 was always, um, you know, coaching school teams or, or things like that as a bit of a side thing. And then um, when I was about 20, I, I had a bad injury and, and just jumped on as an assistant with... Uh, with our team at that time because I was out for the year and uh, my coach at the time kind of said to me, you're probably going to be a better coach than a player, which at the time really uh, offended me. But uh, once we talked it out, I kind of got to to where he was thinking with it and I kept trying to play for a couple more years, but then, you know, through that time started coaching some junior teams and just realized it was something that that I loved and that I could actually make a career of it. Um, and obviously a great way to stay in, in the sport. So um, definitely thankful for the journey I've had because, you know, back then I wouldn't have thought I'd be doing what I've done now or have a chance to coach Australia or things like that. But, uh, yeah, definitely no regrets on, on making that decision as a pathway. Can you tell me about how you got your role as a coach at the Tasmania Institute of Sport? Yeah, that was um, – I never thought I'd be down in Tassie coaching Uh, that was definitely not part of the thought process but I was uh, coaching in in what's NBL1 now in Adelaide for the North Adelaide Rockets and uh, we we won the championship there and uh, at the time I think I was 26 um, I'd kind of given myself a couple years to either make it or get a real job as many people were telling me at the time and um, we were fortunate enough to have a great team that year we went through and won it and on the back end of that, it suddenly just opportunities kept coming up um, to, to go into a few different coaching parts. And one of those opportunities was the Tasmanian Institute of Sport where uh, Patrick Hunt, who was involved with um, coach development and, and looking after those sorts of things for Basketball Australia, encouraged me to apply and went through the process and was, was really fortunate enough to get that job. I think without that job, there's no way that I'd be the coach I am today. Uh, that taught me just so many things about, you know, the holistic approach of coaching for sure. What sort of emotions do you sort of remember yourself going through throughout your time um, up until 2013 at uh, the Tassie Institute of Sport? Yeah, I mean, there was definitely, uh, so I'd lost my dad through that period. Um, so I was kind of on a bit of a roller coaster trying to figure out who I was as a person 
through that period as well. And then deciding that coaching was going to be my thing, I guess I was a development coach with um, the 36ers at Basketball South Australia there for a bit. And that job came about because I basically deferred university to spend time with dad until he passed. And then once he passed, a full-time opportunity came up there. And I guess so I, I was trying to just figure out what I was going to do. You know, like everything had kind of changed. And um, the beauty of that was, you know, I guess when I thought I was not going to be able to continue with it was when the greatest opportunities came. And uh, so it was a good life lesson for me to just kind of stay with it, you know, like not give up, just keep pushing for it. Um, so it was definitely a bit of a roller coaster. Is more about trying to figure out who I was versus what I was going to do, if that makes sense. Um, but once all the planets align, um, things started to, to trend in the direction that, I, that I'd always hoped it would. What was that like to deal with your dad's passing while uh, managing a career role? Yeah, I guess um, something that you never expect when you're young. You know, like I always thought yep. my dad would still be around today and my dad and I were really close. And so it was something that really rocked me for quite a while. And I think it, even today, you know, like there's still moments where you think about it. But uh, I think once I got down to Tassie, it just gave me such a disconnect from, I guess, what my life had been to really lock into to where my next part of my life was going. And so to just be able to, I mean, when I got down there, we worked seven days a week and countless hours just trying to build the program. And um, I think that was just a good good thing for me to do at that moment in time. I think, you know, like, um, yeah, looking back at it, I, I, I genuinely believe everything happens for a reason. I was able to find positives and, you know, I had 21 years with my dad. So then this... He was the one that was like, no, just go do the coaching thing. And, and so I don't think I would have done that or had that path, had that maybe not have happened. What was the transition period like for yourself um, when switching in 2013 to a role for, as a high-performance coach for Basketball Victoria that year? Yeah, that was interesting. So Basketball Victoria had approached me, I think, three times, two times or three times before that to come and do that role. Um, and my time in Tassie, I just felt... The first time was really early on. Um, we hadn't really achieved anything with the program down there. The second time was right before a crop of athletes that we brought through, who was uh, Tanner Krebs, who's now playing uh, up in Brisbane Bullets, um, Cal Barker, Kyle Woodfall, Gabe Hadley, a really good uh, crop of athletes who are Australian tier athletes. And I kind of wanted to see them through. So then the third time when the opportunity came up, um, it was just the right time to, to go for it. So, um, yeah, going through that process was a great one and, and just probably two years later than what I thought I would have shifted, but but really enjoyed it. And Bus Victoria is one of the best organisations I've worked for and uh, great vision, great people, and just being able to work with such great athletes in my time through Big Country. Um, it, it's just, yeah, it's good to see what those, those athletes are now doing. And Jack White who's with us now at Melbourne, you know, like he was one of my guys when I first got into that role. So it's kind of cool to see, you know, that evolution of them from really trying to make it as an athlete to making it and now being able to help help him in the process. Oh, you've had many achievements at Basketball Victoria, including um, with the Vic Country, um, the under-18s women winning gold at the Australian Junior 
Championships in 2017. And then, of course, a medal um, for the under-16 boys for the country, just to name a few. What were those types of experiences like? What did you feel when seeing um, players you've worked with um, achieve success after hard work that um, you've gone through with them? Yeah, that girls group was a really interesting one in the, my first year in the program. Jared Hillier was the under-16 state coach and we kind of made a decision to go with more bottom-age athletes than top-age athletes that year. We just felt there was really good talent in that, that young group, but they weren't quite ready. And that was Jazz Shelley, Chelsea D'Angelo. Um, I'm definitely leaving names out there, but it was just, you could see yep. that those kids were going to be pretty good. And then we kind of just kept missing it. Like we, we lost the semi-final, lost the semi-final. So when they finally got the gold medal, it was really a four-year journey for those kids and, and for Jared as well, who had basically followed them through. And it was just really kind of a proud moment to see them achieve what they, they'd set out way back then. Um, you know, and every, every coach that I got to work with in the country, we had a really structured system and style of play and to have people buy into that and then the, the athletes continue to get better, coaches get better. And then the results basically take care of themselves. Uh, it was a really rewarding thing. Um, you know, and then we had an opportunity there, myself and Mike Zeppel, who was the other high-performance coach. We, we got to coach a, a throw-together team for Victoria in the under-20s. Uh, um, I think we had 10 days of prep and you know, threw them all together. And we, we went and got a silver medal against the, the first Victorian side. And, so there's just so many good things like that where you just look back and, and I do miss that development here a little bit. Um, one of the interesting things through this period with COVID, we've been able to use so much more time with our pro athletes at Melbourne uh, as far as development goes, you know, spend so much more time on that. And it's, it has been quite an enjoyable thing to get back to that, um, not just the rat race of game to game. Uh, spending some time on that's been good. I definitely enjoyed that part through the Tassie Institute in, in Basketball Victoria. Who's the best basketballer or best few basketballers um, in which you've seen come through at Basketball Victoria? At Basketball Victoria, that's a really good question. My best that I've, I think I've had the pleasure to work with was actually from Adelaide, and that's Joe Ingalls. Um, yep. I was coaching Joe when he was quite young in various roles as state coach and whatnot, and just to see him go through, he's definitely been one. Dante Exum, we had him as a young uh, Australian junior and you could see he was going to be something special. But, you know, there's just been so many. Dion Vasilovic that is now playing with the Kings, like one of the best shooters uh, that I've had the pleasure to be around. Um, you know, Jack White, possibly one of the best athletes. Like, you could just keep dropping names and it sounds... Sounds like it. The one I should mention is uh, Jay Shelley, though. I think Jay Shelley's going to go down as one of the best female athletes um, in basketball when she's done. Like, I think she's just got something special on, on that side of the sport as well. So, yeah, they've been very, very lucky in my time to just coach great people, um, which is a, a, you know, makes the journey always a lot more enjoyable. In 2016, you became the head coach of Kilsith Basketball in, uh, in the Seabull. What difference in roles um, did you notice between a head coach and then a high-performance coach on the other hand? Yeah, I guess the, the preparation from week to week for gameplay versus, you know, in, in high-performance roles, you're really trying to develop athletes to be international players. 
So it's really about them and how you can help them become the best in whatever position they are, whatever their needs are. Where obviously when you're coaching a team, it's about, well, how can we make everyone work hand in glove and, and be a success for, for what we're trying to achieve. And um, I'd been out of it since coaching that North Adelaide team at a senior level. And it was really good to just jump back in. Uh, Mark Watkins was coaching director, who's someone that I'd been coaching with. So to work alongside and, and try and change the vision of a club at that time, it was definitely um, an enjoyable process. Um, and, you know, the first year was a bit of a, a rough one. Um, you know, we had so many injuries that year and things go probably not how we wanted it. Um, but the, the last two years were quite enjoyable with the groups we had there. In multiple years from 2016 through to 19 at Kilsith, you've taken them to, you had taken them to postseason, multiple postseason appearances. What's it like as a coach to prepare and get ready and get your players ready um, for a postseason? Yeah, I guess we never quite achieved what we wanted to in those post-seasons. The, uh, I think the best team we had was definitely that, that second year team, 2018, I think that would have been. Um, and we, you know, prepping it was hard because we had guys that were also trying to make it into the NBL. So we had Felix Monhoff, uh, Dane Pinnow, Sam Daly, all go away with the Sydney Kings right through our preparation for finals. So that was something that we had to juggle and try and work through. And I, you know, if I had my time again, we'd definitely do that differently because I feel we just ran out of gas in the, the preliminary final in that one. Um, but that's the beauty of that league is really that league's about helping athletes achieve their goals at higher levels. Um, you know, well, that's how we've always operated the programs that, are, that I've ran. So, um, yeah, like definitely would rather be sitting here saying it was great to win a couple of championships, but definitely proud of what those groups were able to achieve, especially from where uh, we started out with, with both those groups. Yeah. In 2017, you joined Melbourne United as a development coach. What's it like to work with elite guys in Melbourne um, in your first pro season in the NBL? Yeah, I was really fortunate. Um, Dean Vickerman had just been appointed head coach and we actually just caught up for a breakfast to talk about how the Australian athletes that I was working with at the time, we had so many Victorian athletes, you know, how that could work hand in hand and, and what the, the kind of looked like moving forward. And just through that breakfast, we like started going out to practice a bit and, and just kind of got an itch to go and do that. And then uh, the development position opened up and Barcelona and Victoria were really good to me to allow me to do that as a part-time role. Um, Nick Honey was outstanding and just recognising that's probably what I wanted to do next and, and helped, um, helped out with that and yeah it was awesome I mean to, to work with that group um, such a special group and obviously to go on and win it um, yeah like you know couldn't believe that it's my first year in, in the pros and, and, and having some small role to, to help get to that was, was a great thing and you know just so many lessons for me as getting thrown in the deep end, Dean's outstanding at just backing who he's, who's working with him and uh, just the opportunities I got to, to take control of the development players that year, look after guys and injury plans and guys when they're on the road. And, um, and then obviously to be in that final series to go five games, I think it's been one of the better final series uh, around. Like it was just a, a, just, yeah, something that's still right now, like, yeah, 
kind of get a smile as you go back and think about it. And, and uh, yeah, hopefully we can do that again real soon. <laughs> Since 2017, you've been Australia's under-17s men's um, head coach. How did you sort of work your way um, and develop into this role? Yeah, so I think through my the time in Tassie is where that really started to open up for me. Um, we were having a lot of success producing athletes into Australian teams. And through that, uh, my first opportunity came up to be an assistant of an Oceana group. So really with that Crocs program, uh, this year would have been my 10th year with the Australian program in that sense as an assistant or a head coach. And I think over that time, um, you know, we went away 2014, uh, won a silver medal in Dubai. Uh, Mark Watkins was the head coach of that, Virginia Loughlin. And I uh, just, I mean, such a talented group. Isaac Humphries, Harry Froling, Diana Silovich, Tom Wilson, Quat Noy, like all the guys that are playing NBL now, they're all in that group. And at the time, we probably didn't realise, we knew they were good. We didn't realise that it would be just a, a generational group and, um, so to get a silver medal there, uh, had the opportunity to stay on as an assistant, uh, the following world champs where I think we finished sixth. Um, and then from then, Mark Wilkins moved on and the opportunity uh, was given to me to head coach at, um, at the last world championship. And the uh, greatest honour I've ever had to be able to represent my country and then to, to get the opportunity to head coach it uh, is still the most special thing that I've done. And it's funny, after that at Melbourne United Championship, um, I didn't get to celebrate that too much because we were straight on the plane that night off to Asia Cup and we got huh. to get the gold medal there. So, um, you know, we, the world champs didn't quite go the way we wanted to. We lost the quarterfinal to uh, Canada uh, and so bowed out of the medal race to them. I think we lost by two or three points in that one. Um, but still look back and just, you know, really thankful wow. for it. Unfortunately, COVID stopped us from going to a second world championship as head coach. Yeah. And hopefully that's still going to occur for me again to just have that opportunity. But yeah, nothing better. And the, the talent level of athletes at that age and on the world stage is just every time it's just better and better. And um, yeah, I feel very fortunate that we've been able to do it so many times. Now in 2018, you moved up um, to uh, the position at Melbourne United as an assistant coach. What's it like to be in that coaching staff alongside Dean Vickerman? And how did you sort of move up um, into that role? Yeah, I guess we, in my time with Dean, we've had so many different coaches on that coaching staff. Um, and I think that's a little bit of a credit to Dino in that you know, he, he helps his coaching staff get better. And I've definitely felt that in my time with him and, so Simon Mitchell got the South East Melbourne head coaching job. Um, but right before that, Mike Kelly had been given the uh, Cairns job. So I basically got offered the opportunity to take over Mike's role with the group. And then shortly after that, Simon went to South East and Paul Hanari came in. And then Paulie went off to a different job and then Ross came in. And so I've been lucky in my time at Melbourne to work with a lot of great basketball heads and just allow me to see how different people do things um, and then has given us the opportunity to, or given myself the opportunity to keep evolving, um, but also evolve with Dino. Like a, I feel pretty comfortable now knowing exactly what Dino wants and how he wants to do things. And so I think uh, from a working relationship, it's always been a, 
an enjoyable one and, and one that when we're working with the guys that we've got, it's always a challenge, but an enjoyable challenge. And, you know, it's exciting right now seeing what we're doing on the floor. And obviously we've got Reese Carter joining us this year and yep. uh, just someone else to work with and, and just keep evolving, not just me as a coach, but us as a coaching staff has, has been a fun thing. What's that been like to have Reese uh, come into the coaching staff? Because we've just uh, had him on the podcast. All right. Well, I'm sure he told you how good he is and, yeah. <laughs> and how, how well he goes with stuff. So it's no different with coaching, mate. He's, he's pretty quick to tell us uh, what he used to do. But I think any time, um, like Reese has done it at every level. Uh, so it's just great to, to have athletes' perspectives. Um, it's something I've always tried to do with my coaching staff, you know, with my national team, Greg Vanderjack, who's an ex-NBL uh, centre. Like, but I deliberately wanted him on staff because it's a, just a different aspect than, uh, you know, someone like I never got to play at the NBL level. Um, Dino hasn't played at the NBL level for a long time. So I think it just throws a different angle or thought process that often you need. Um, so, yeah, it's been good. Um, I think Reese is in the deep end, but I think we're enjoying it. And it's, it's yeah, it's always good fun. Like, that's the one thing that Melbourne United definitely has had in my time at the club is just great people around um, and, and definitely can say that for now as well. In game two of the 2017-18 semi-final series with United, there was 0.4 seconds left of overtime. Scores are tied and the team on court knew that they could just get that job done. And big man Josh Boone got, uh, got his own board actually and then got the shot back up and won the game for you guys. What was that yeah. like to be there in that moment? And to know that your players knew and trusted um, in the process that he's had in place um, and knew what to do in that situation. Well, in that year, I was the development coach. So uh, I was only traveling on the road if we made the grand final. So I was actually in my lounge room with my <laughs> wife-to-be sitting there watching it. And I reckon my head hit the roof when he made that shot. Like I just remember <laughs> jumping up and just kind of going, holy hell, we're going to the grand final. Like, it was just a surreal moment. And, but that was, it was really interesting for me watching on TV because I could see the guys communicating to Dino, Nut, we've got this. Yeah. And they just, yeah, straight away knew what to go to. And, um, yeah, pretty special moment. And, uh, yeah, just one of those, again, uh, I won't lie, I've watched that game back a few times just to, to enjoy what a special group that was because, uh, you know, you talk about professionalism, execution, being able to perform under pressure. That group definitely had it. Um, and, again, that's why we were able to go on and win that thing. In the grand final series a few weeks later, um, you were part of that championship team with uh, guys like Chris Golding, Casey Prather, um, as I mentioned, Josh Boone and also Casper Ware. What was that series against that the that 36s team um, under Joey Wright like, and what does it feel like when season long work, hard work pays off? Yeah, it's uh, it was interesting. So my first time in the NBL, my first experience of a final series, um, my first time on the opposition side of things. So coming from Adelaide, I was always going for the Sixes. Now you're there as as the enemy and. It was interesting. The Adelaide crowd was a little, little rowdy, a little violent. It felt like it was, um, it was, yeah, just an amazing atmosphere. And uh, that series was, I mean, Adelaide that year were just, they were so good at what they did. 
and um, on both games on their floor, they really, really put it to us. Uh, we felt we could have won the second time over there. Like we, we felt we let that one slip in some respects, but um, just an unbelievable series. And what's interesting is watching that game five. So that morning, um, Dean often will get us sitting in a circle and we'll just talk about the day's game and, and what it means. I remember like Dean just asked Chris, you know, what, what's tonight mean to you? And Chris was just talking about everyone else. And I just, I just never forget thinking there's no way we're losing today. Like just the selflessness in his voice just gave me so much confidence that whatever happens tonight's going to go our way. And it's just one of those weird feelings. And sure enough, he had the best game I think I've ever seen him play. Yeah. And, um, yeah, we got to celebrate it and, and it went that way. But uh, yeah, just a, just an unbelievable group of guys. You know, you've got Dave Anderson coming in off the bench. He's done everything in the sport. Um, unbelievable imports that, you know, on any given night, we had someone step up and do different things. Ty Wesley was outstanding that year. And, um, you know, I just thought our role players were, were outstanding as well in just doing their job. So, yeah, it was awesome, mate. I just can't speak highly enough. And then I was on the plane and now there. <laughs> <laughs> what were those, the, uh, the locker rooms like after that Game 5 win to secure the championship? Yeah, so that was the bit that I still wish I could have stuck around a little bit longer. So literally the the nets were getting cut down. I had to race out the back, get into my Australian gear. Had a quick cheeky beer with the the coaches (laughs) and then was out. And so, um, yeah, didn't get to celebrate it for too long with the guys. But, um, yeah, I mean, I can't complain because we went over to China and and won the Asia Cup for the first time for Australia and at that age group. And I mean, that was, had its all own thing with it. But uh, yeah, it's definitely the, the confidence of winning an NBL championship definitely carried into that tournament, that was for sure. What was winning that, uh, that Asia Cup like? Yeah, it was a so first time in the tournament for us at that age group. And um, it was a bit of a learning experience yeah. as to how things would operate. Um, so there was a few hiccups along the way. Uh, we hadn't had a great prep going into it. So it was one of those tournaments where we just, every day, we just kept getting better and better the more we played together. And interestingly, we played our career in the quarterfinals. And so in that tournament, you have to win top four or go to top four to go to the World Cup, to the World Championship. Yeah. Um, we were playing career in the quarterfinal, who traditionally are a top four side in the tournament but they'd lost the game early on that, that dropped them down a bit. And they, they're well known for this zone that they play that's just a tough one. Um, and it took us all game to beat them. But what was interesting is once we got through that, then the guys really got rolling and we played China in the, in the gold medal game. Uh, from memory, it was pretty even at halftime. And then we just came out in that second half and ran away with it. Um, and just an awesome awesome feeling to, to win a gold medal on the world stage at any tournament. Um, so, yeah, it was pretty pretty cool, pretty special. In 2019, you also won the gold medal um, with that team at the Oceania uh, Championships. Can you tell me about the gold medal match and what emotions you went through with your players and your team when that final buzzer went off? Yeah, so because of NBL commitments, my assistants ended up uh, coaching that tournament for me. Um, but I was sitting again in my lounge room watching that one. <laughs> um, and the New Zealand group are really, really 
good in that age group. Um, and in all honesty, I thought they were probably the better team on the day. We just we just finished off better um, when it when it mattered most. And um, what was really what's really disappointing with COVID in my world is you know we haven't had a chance to really see how good that team can be uh, that won that that gold medal. Um, we didn't get to go to Asia Cup because that got cancelled because of COVID. Um, so we got an automatic bid to the World Championship purely because we won Asia Cup previously. Um, and then, yeah, we haven't had the world champs. So uh, I think that group's definitely got more depth than, than probably the, the cycle before. So hopefully that team one day gets to play together. You know, guys like Dyson Daniels have just gone through the roof. You know, um, it's just from, from our point guard to our 12th guy, there's just talent right across the floor and, and some special talent, which reminds me a lot of that 2014 group that, that won a silver. So, yeah, hopefully at some point they'll get to, to play together. Um, while watching that um, game from home, that final game, um, what, who do you reckon was the best on court? I know Josh Giddy um, had an amazing game with 26 points, uh, five boards, seven assists and three steals. So who do you think, um, probably from your point of view, played best on court in that game? Yeah, no, Josh is definitely a special talent. Um, I'd love him to be playing with us. He, huh. you know, he's, uh, he's just one of those athletes that every time I've worked with him, he's just been a little bit better. Every time I've seen him, he's just been a little bit better. And I think his NBL season will be, um, will be an interesting one for sure to see how well he can go. Um, that one's actually the, the age group above us. Um, we were the under-15 Oceana. So by that time, yeah, it's a little bit different on that one. So I definitely watched that one as well. And, you know, that group of, of guys is is pr- pretty talented, you know, like um, that World Champs group, which hopefully they get that opportunity next year to, to play in it. Um, I think we do Australia really proud. In late 2019, you were appointed the head coach of the Geelong Supercats. How did this come about? Uh, it's an interesting one. So... I guess midway through that season, I was umming and ahhing. The previous season was umming and ahhing whether I wanted to really coach that following year because of the world champs. Um, but something that Dean is really keen on is that as assistants, we are coaching our own team. So, um, yeah, Kilsarth, I probably felt was um, it was time to make a change on that one. And I think they probably we're keen to go back to a homegrown system. And, and that was something that we weren't on the same page with in that sense. Um, and Geelong had just had a chat. Um, they just decided to shift their coach on and um, we've moved out West um, and just recently. And I just like the idea of a, a new challenge to really build a group and, and see where we can take Geelong to. Geelong's got great hopes long-term about becoming an NBL franchise again and, uh, so I guess what we're trying to do is is build a foundation at NBL one level that potentially can allow that to happen down the track. So to me, it was just a great opportunity um, at a club that's always been well respected in that league um, that operates as if it's an NBL franchise, and that's the things that really excited me. Uh, Mark Neal, the CEO there, had also just taken on and created a new vision, and um, it was just yeah perfect timing. I think is is the way I would put it to, to go and, and challenge myself in a, in a new role. And for the next three years, hopefully we can have a fair bit of success there. 
Was there anything different um, about this Geelong Supercats squad compared to other teams that you've coached? Uh, I guess the difference was there was already some pieces in place. Um, when I got to Kilsyth, it was pretty much a fresh slate. So we were, we were building that thing from, from nothing really and, and trying to grow it as time went on, where Geelong, we already had some really good local talent in place. Um, some veterans, our import was already re-signing Demarcus Gatlin. So those things were really exciting. And to me, it was just about what pieces could we add around that to make those guys better. Um, so we're able to sign Mitch McCarron, which would have been outstanding in the league. Um, you know, Toy Smith-Milner was, was coming across with me from Kilsyth and then Dexter Koenig-Drew to add to what we'd already had. And um, I think that group would have done really well. You know, the signs were, were great in the time we were together in practice. And again, COVID stopped a lot of things. It stopped that season. And, and now we're building a different team for uh, 2021. But equally, I'm as excited as I was about that group as, as the group we've put together uh, moving forward as well. Earlier this year, United came so close uh, to getting through to that NBL Grand Final Series, but just couldn't hold on against the Kings. Uh, what sort of behaviours and emotions were coming out in the playing and coaching staff um, after you lost that series? And what's your mindset heading into NBL 21? Yeah, I think, uh, I think we were all frustrated after game one because we knew we did let that slip. Um, yeah, we played so well for so long in that game. You know, I reckon 38 minutes of that game, we were yeah. we were the better side. And um, you know, Sydney, to their credit, had just stuck with what they were trying to achieve and, and came through. And then, obviously, game two was still one of the craziest games I've ever been involved in. And in we just blow them out the water and play some unbelievable basketball. And so then we go game three. And, you know, like, I'm not someone that ever looks to referee calls or or whatever, but I just felt... Um, yeah, I was watching that game. A couple of, couple of calls just didn't go, go out. Yeah, well. like that's, that's kind of what I would say, is if the ball bounces a different way in that game, I think we're back in the grand final yeah. series. And, and that was the, the frustrating part in that our group last year had gone through quite a few different bumps along the way. Um, and then to, to get to the way we were playing at the back end of the year and some really, really good basketball, um, you know, it's just disappointing. We couldn't keep that thing going. And, um, you know, Sydney's credit, they, they've been really tough all year and, and held their home floor, which they should. You know, that's, that's on us during the season not to, to have that advantage uh, throughout. But, yeah, definitely a, a, a series of frustration and adulation and then frustration yeah. again, I guess. <laughs> What impact has um, COVID-19 had on Melbourne United and how's it going right now? Obviously, back at training, allowed to do 5v5s and everything like that. Yeah, I think uh, for us, we've experienced it all. Um, you know, we were early on just continuing as normal in the sense that we were very lucky we were allowed to practice. Um, and then obviously the virus hit our group. And I think for all of us, that's when it, really became real um, and I think it coincided with when Victoria it became real um, so for our guys to, to have time out to get the virus to get through it and be okay and then still to have time out you know it's, it would be very easy for our group to come in in a negative mindset but yeah. I think the beauty of it is we haven't had that we're um, we've come in we've been 
uh, everyone's done the right thing when they've been away from the group. Everyone's in good shape. Everyone's got the right mindset. And what the times allowed us to do uh, since getting into practice is actually focus on skill development again. Uh, so for some of our guys, they play all year round. They go from NBL into another season or into international play. So I think for the guys just to get their bodies right, to, to take care of what they need in that sense, but then also to be able to um, you know, work on some skill stuff that they probably haven't had the chance to do for a while, I think that's going to put us in great shape. And since uh, getting into a competitive environment, it's just exciting to see what we could become. Um, obviously, there's still a fair, fair way to go for us, but uh, it's definitely positive right now to see how the group's coming together. What's it like so far, um, obviously, with the added likes um, and prospects of Jack White and Udai Baba? Yeah, I think both guys are, are special in their own way. Um, obviously, Whitey I've known for a long time. And, yeah. Um, you know, I think the the player that people know at, at Duke isn't the player that they're going to see in the NBL. They're going to see more of the Australian international Jack White, which I think he, he you know, the sky's the limit really on the player that he'll become. And he's one of those guys that's going to make sure he maxes out every inch of his ability. Uh, yeah. Whatever that level is, he's just going to find it. So, um, yeah, it's definitely good to see him. And I know he's enjoying some additional freedoms in the way he can play. And, um, yeah, just one of those guys that's uh, learning more and more. Udai, I think, is um, he can really shoot the ball. Like, he is just really, really talented at shooting that ball. And uh, when his feet are set, he, he's pretty good. So, um, yeah, it's been, you know, I've only seen Udai prior to this in FIBA tournaments and you know, he's been able to do pretty well with that. Like I think he had 20 odd against the US and um, that's been pretty, uh, you know, anytime you can do that's been a pretty good indicator of the sort of player you are. But to see him day in, day out, his English is getting really, really quite well. So yep. that's helping us out a lot as well. Um, <laughs> but no, I think, I think fans are going to enjoy both those guys quite a bit. Um, I've heard that Chris Golding's in amazing shape uh, for this upcoming season. What's he been like at training this off-season and what impact of, en of the energy of the group does he sort of have? Yeah, I think Chris is one of those guys that's benefited from a little bit of downtime to just get his body right. And I think that's where his body's in, in a good spot right now is, um, you know, he's been able to freshen up a little bit and, uh, the one thing I do think is I think he's shooting the ball better than I've ever seen him shoot it, um, wow. just in workouts. And I know it's a it's a big statement when you're talking about yeah. Chris, but um, you know workouts that I've done with him and he's just letting letting it go so nicely out of his hand, and there's not much running around for rebounds when he's shooting. <laughs> so uh, hopefully he can carry that on and keep building that up as as the season goes ahead. What would be your best advice to anyone attempting to make their way um, into the role of being a professional basketball coach? I get asked this a lot. And um, the best advice I ever got, and, and my mentor today is Ian Stacker, who used to coach the Townsville Crocs and has had so many basketball opportunities throughout, gold medal, world championship coach. Um, early days, he let me go up to Townsville if I could get myself there and, and just do some work and that's become a relationship that I've had ever since. And so 
to me, the advice is do as much as you can for nothing. Like don't expect a, a paycheck on the back of it. Just go and learn and, and immerse yourself in as many environments, high level environments as you can and take in it, take from that what you like. Um, doesn't mean you've got to take everything, but take the bits you do. And I think coaching is plagiarism. I think we can all take a little bit and adapt it into our own thing. And um, that's been the best advice I got really early on was to stay with it. And then the other part would be what I said at the start of the interview where um, often when you think you're about to, you just can't keep going forward with it. Um, you know, just stick it out a little bit longer. And generally that's when, when things work out. And um, that's definitely, I've been lucky in my career to, as I said, coach so many great people, but I keep thinking if I didn't just stick with it, um, coach the, the North Adelaide group, well, chances are I'm not, not here today. So um, yeah, just stay with it and, and keep believing in what you're doing and, and keep pushing forward. Thanks, Justin, for coming on the Sporting Max podcast to share your amazing story. Um, it's been great to have you on and best of luck for NBL 21 and obviously um, upcoming dates for the Aussie under-17s men. No, I appreciate it, Max. Great job by you, mate. Uh, when the boys were telling me that you were getting them on, I was like, well, when's my call? So yeah. I appreciate, <laughs> you, uh, appreciate you giving me the shout-out, mate. It's been good yep. fun. No worries, Justin. Stay tuned, everyone, for some more Sporting Max. Thanks for listening to Sporting Max. If you liked this episode, please leave us a review or rating on iTunes and follow and subscribe to our channel on Instagram and YouTube.